identify as blank, fill in the blank. In today's society, that has become such a common phrase. So it got me thinking, what does it mean to have an identity? Can a person identify as more than one thing? And where does God fit in it all? This podcast series seeks to address all those questions and more. We are in part four of our identity series, and in today's episode, we'll be hearing from the owner of J.E. Doopy Flooring Company, Stanley Doopy. Hey, everybody. We'll be discussing what it means for a man to have his identity rooted in Christ. Stanley, thank you for being out here today, for being a part of the series. You know, I just think you're a perfect person to have this conversation with, and especially with your stage of life that you're in, just bringing so much more wisdom and just a well-rounded perspective to the whole conversation. And I'm just excited to you know tackle this topic with you today. Well, thank you, Brandy, for having me. And I don't know about being the perfect person for this, <laughs> but I do know that you had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get yeah. all, all the men to get me to come. So I'm, I'm honored that you you found me at the bottom of the barrel and just great to be here today. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I didn't really have to scrape too far because when I asked people around, like, hey, who do you think would be a good person to have this conversation? But you were one of the, the top people that came up from others. Well, thank you. So that's how that came about. But let's go ahead and jump into this conversation today. And first question is, you know, what is a man and what makes being a man special and unique? Well, you know, every time I hear that question, what is a man? I just, Mm -hmm. I'm drawn all the way back, Brandy, to Genesis, early, the early part when man was created by God. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the Bible is really clear, especially in Genesis chapter one, verse 29, God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and so bit and so forth. And in verse 27, it says, the Bible says God created man in his own image. So when I think about men in general, me, myself, and all other men, you know, regardless of what's what's happened in our life, how successful we've been, how unsuccessful we've been, the things we've gotten in trouble, and when I talk to men, it doesn't matter. God created every man in his own image. And when I hear that, that makes me really feel honored that God formed me and knew me in the mm-hmm. beginning of time. So what makes being a man unique compared to being a woman? Well, I think that it, it would go back to this early part of, of Genesis. And I'm gonna, this is kind of why I wanted to stay mm-hmm. here on this, this first question, because God created man first, and he created him to be the spiritual leader mm-hmm. of a family. And you hear that talked about a lot. The thing I'm going to take a little twist on, Brandy, is yeah. the downfall that man had in the very beginning. Yeah. When God created man in the beginning, and you can go back and read it in Genesis, and I'll read Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So God assigned man a job Mm -hmm. and something to do after he created that, after he created him. And then in verse 16, God said, the Lord God commanded him, you're to eat from any tree of the garden, but you may not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you shall surely die. 
So God instructed man in the very beginning Mm -hmm. what the rules were and what he was supposed to do. And that's a a great, number one, that was a great relationship that God had with Adam and Mm -hmm. Adam had with God. But then Adam and his passivity messed it up. We see for the first time in the very beginning of Scripture how Adam was a passive man. Mm-hmm. Because the very next part of that dialogue, he created Eve, the, the very mm-hmm. next verse. And the Bible talks about that. And then we know when we get into the very next chapter, in chapter 3, the serpent, who was very crafty, went to Eve, Adam's helper. Yeah. And the whole time that dialogue and conversation, Brandy, went on, Adam was there. He was and never, present. And, yeah, and present, and never, and never <laughs> said anything. So I think when you ask what makes us special and unique, what makes us special is, is number one, we're to depend on God and we're to do God's work, mm-hmm. just like it, Adam was to do God's work. But what our uniqueness is, is we should not be passive in the world today. And I think myself included many a times, men have taken a back seat Mm-hmm. In the passivity of, mm-hmm. of, of church work and and doing God's work, mm-hmm. home life too. Before that, there's been a cultural shift in that. Where before it's like men didn't want to for whatever reason, not as active in the home lives. It's like, well, I went out and provided the bread on the table, and that was it. <laughs> and I and I have a, you're right, and I have a lot of men that will say, mm-hmm. or you know, their their wives do not work and they work, and 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 they'll come home and say, well. I did the work. Everything from the inside the house is is all your work. And they'll come home. They get through work. They want to sit, prop up, read the paper, or, or, or read the their phone. Now it used yeah. to be read the paper, yeah. but read the phone and read the news and watch or watch the mm-hmm. news on television mm-hmm. while the wife cooks supper, cleans, and does everything. And and I I disagree with that. I think that men's work should not stop. When they get to the house, even if their wife is not employed, I think it still should be, he should be a leader of his household. Mm-hmm. And what's the significance of that? Like, I've heard that, you know, I've been a Baptist girl my whole life. And I know this, you know, is still a topic in other denominations as well. But, you know, we get that, that's a phrase or a churchy term, you know, being the spiritual leader of your household. It gets thrown around a lot. But would you mind, you know, giving more of your insight to that or what that means well uh, you know it's funny that you mentioned that and we having this podcast i have a a guy that that works with me Mm -hmm. and he and his wife have you know had quit going to church and so Mm. they were having some problems and Mm -hmm. he and i were talking about this a month a couple of months ago and i just he came we're just visiting i said well why aren't y'all going back to church? And, of course, he told me the reasons why and whatever, which was none of them were legitimate reasons. Yeah. And so, you know, bottom line, he said, well, my wife will not go. Mm. I said, well, here's what I, my advice to you is. If you're asking for advice, and he yeah. was, I said, my advice is you go anyway, even if she won't go. Because as a spiritual leader, eventually mm-hmm. she's going to go. If she doesn't want to go... You need to, in a biblical, spiritual, loving way, serve her to the point that she would, would she's going to want to, would want to mm-hmm. go. And so 
I have good news on that story to say that the past month in January, or past three or four weeks, mm-hmm. he's, they have gone back to church. And uh-huh. he got up and said, hey, I'm going to go to church tomorrow if you want to go. And she said, well, I'll think about it. Well, he gets up and gets ready to go to church, and guess what? She's, she's up and get, she, she's motivated to get up. Yeah. So that's one small thing, but it's a big thing. It uh, is a big thing. And, and Stanley, I just have to say, even for my own life, you know, between like my mom's always been a strong believer and she's had influence in my life, but my dad has too. And, and some of those things were big things, like the music we had to listen to when I was growing up. You know, we knew that dad didn't have much of a tolerance for other things, you know. Right. I mean, I could sneak in some country with my mom, but like dad, if we were in, in the car with dad, nope. Right. <laughs> Wasn't gonna, right. And it had an impact. And I really think the biggest impact though is like, cause we did travel ball right. and all that, but it was, you know, from my mom was united in this. So it right. wasn't like it was just him, but he was the leader in that. And finally, like, you know what? I know we're out of town on the weekends, but we're going to serve the Lord. Like we're going to find some other church to go to while we're out of town. And, and if we didn't, he was the one that led the Bible study in the hotel room. Like right. he led it. And that well, was big. Sounds like, sounds like my family. We did the same <laughs> thing. And, you know, my kids play mm-hmm. travel ball and you know you're going on the weekends, but if we could find a church and mm-hmm. if we were not playing Sunday morning, we went to a church and mm-hmm. the kids will tell you that. And we went to a lot of churches. Yeah. And, and, but we also, if we were playing that morning, we did some kind of devotional Bible study that we had in our hotel mm-hmm. room, you know, before we went to the ballpark. And for me, in that time of my life, that was just huge just to see. It made it made our faith more real. It, it taught me uh, the teenage years that for my parents and then during that time also for me that this is this is real life. This is how it's not just something we do and check off a box, like how applicable it really was right. and how to make it real and why, and that there, this is important. Right. So it's huge. Back to our main topic of the day. What does society say makes a man, you know, common contrast, you know, you're talking about how God from Genesis, how he created us in his image and the uniqueness of not being passive and having an important role and being a spiritual leader. But what does society say makes a man? Well, you know, society says if it feels good, do it. Mm, Society says go for the gusto. (laughs) Society says, you know, be a macho man. Mm -hmm. You know, know, in other words, you you do what you want to do. You benefit you. Yeah. And, and and don't worry about family. Don't worry about, you know, what people think. This is your life. You do what you want to. You work. You make the money. You mm-hmm. have the job. You have the means to do the things. And society tells, man, if you look at all the commercials on TV, mm-hmm. especially the the beer commercials yeah. or stuff that pertain to men, it's all pointing to you need this because you deserve this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't deserve anything. Yeah. So so yeah. that's that's what society, I think, really pushes on men mm-hmm. is, you know, go for the gusto, macho. If it feels good, do it. Make no the matter, big mucks. That's right. Have it, the big title. That's right. If yeah. Trample over whoever you got to trample mm-hmm. over to get where you want to be in life. Yeah. Might makes right, and isn't that the phrase? Right, they're strongest, right. and you and, get to do it. And then we all know that's 180 degrees opposite yeah. of what the Bible teaches and yeah. what and what Christ says. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I'm studying on a, a lesson coming mm-hmm. up about 
Christ, you know, was one of the, the few times he was back in, in the Jerusalem, Judea era, mm-hmm. era. And the Pharisees trying to trap oh, him yeah. again, pulled this woman out who was uh, a prostitute. And mm-hmm. they said, you know, well, you know, okay, here, well, this is what the law says. What do you say? Trying to trap Jesus. Mm-hmm. And again, Jesus is just being God in the flesh, God's son, all perfect, mm-hmm. all knowing. All knew could just in their mind could read what they were thinking, mm-hmm. and I love what he says in that story. He says he kneels down. Can imagine if you're watching it on a movie, it's just deathly quiet on that mm-hmm. right outside that area in Jerusalem with all the hustle and bustle going on. Yeah. Just got very quiet, and he writes in the dirt, and then he finally gets it's very quiet, and he gets everybody's attention, and he says. He who has not sinned cast the first stone. Then the Bible tells us one by one. They dropped others. They, they dropped all their like stones crap. and walked away. <laughs> you know, into in, in society today, that man was said, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna pick the first stone up, and I'm the first one to." That's what the law says. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that mm-hmm. stone at that woman. That's what it says, and that's what the world teaches us. Be yeah. like the world, and Jesus was. Not like the world. Mm-hmm. Very much opposite. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like the older I get in, you know, studying certain scriptures and how I'm, I've learned how much strength it really is to be gentle and meek and how it's through those kind of actions that actually brings the most change to situations. You know, humility is a great thing. <laughs> And that's, it builds the most bridges. Very hard to do. It's very hard it for me to do. It is. And that's what's like, you know, it takes a lot of strength to do it. And people right. don't realize that, you know, and I think it's uh, just one of those things that's overlooked too much for sure. Yeah. So how does knowing your identity in Christ root you in your relationships? Well, knowing that, first of all, that Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy, I have the Holy Spirit in me. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me a, and I hate to use this word, but a spiritually positive reinforcement that I know whatever I'm going to battle every day, that if I allow the Lord to help me in my decision making, that's that Christ rooted in me. Uh, the deal is, is sometimes... I don't allow him. I make the decisions mm-hmm. on Stanley, what I think, impulse, reaction, what I need mm-hmm. to do, how I should handle this. And instead of thinking, what, which I do occasionally, you know, how would Christ want me to handle this situation? What's mm-hmm. the right thing to do from a Christian perspective? Yeah. And not be so like a Pharisee or a Sadducee and, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and yeah. do it. So my identity in Christ should help me be rooted in all my decision-making, especially in all the relationships. Now, you're talking about relationships. you got your spouse. Mm-hmm. You have your family. You have your church family. You have your friends. And you have your workers yeah. and just people outside. Just the, Everyone just is in everyone, your circle. Everybody that's in your general circle. So yeah. And and everybody is you know, some that you know well and some know you well mm-hmm. and they kinda have a expectation of you. Yes. So when you fail, 
they're disappointed in you. And then mm-hmm. the people that are in your circle that are on the outer part of your circle that don't know you well, then that's the time that you have a chance to, to let Christ mm-hmm. be exemplified in your life. And sometimes I think I miss those opportunities mm-hmm. instead of showing how Christ is rooted in my in my life and how yeah. it should be. Yeah. But I often think, you know, but when we do get it, it's, it always, I think it uh, blows us away on, on our side of it. Right. Or whatever situation it is, because it's like, oh, you're reminded and you're, you see how that blossoms for other yeah. people and how it impacts them and whatnot. But can you think of a moment, you know, just think for a second of a, a moment where, like, let's say with your wife, where you know that you were being rooted in Christ towards her. You know, it was rooted into how you talked to her or how you treated her that day. That if just Stanley would be something different, but because of Jesus, you did it. She'd way. probably tell you it's very rare. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the uh, Susan, my wife, um, mm-hmm. it would to to exemplify Christ is she likes to be listened to. Mm. Okay. I have a lot of things going on. I'm ADHD, mm. so it's hard for me to focus on what she's telling me because we do, as husband and wife, yeah. we talk all the time. Mm-hmm. So to be more Christ-like, I, I, I want to have to learn to focus totally on her. Mm-hmm. I have to listen to her. And I have to be prepared, the third thing, not to tell her what I think she should do mm. when she's telling me a dilemma. Yeah. I have to, you know, which is hard. I run a business. Yeah. And I have, I'm, I'm predominantly men, and men have to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have some ladies Amen. that work for me too. Right. <laughs> and, and you're right. And, and I have a few ladies that work for me too. But so, you know, yeah. but for the most part, the men, you have to tell exactly how you want it d- d- done mm-hmm. and how what to do and how you want it done. Well, the thing, I'm a fixer. When she tells me mm-hmm. something, she's got some delay. It could be something small. She said, I've got a, an appointment here. I've got to get to the doctor. I'm supposed to pick up a grandkid. And, you know, and she's telling me all this and listen. And I'll say, okay, here's what you should do. Yeah. That's the thing that I think when I do that, I'm probably, in her mind, in my mind, not showing uh, totally uh, the the Christ rooted relationship. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to follow through with her, listen, and and then usually I'll follow up. So so what are you going to do? Mm. And I want to get it back to her. What can I do to help, help you? you? Right. Yeah. So I try to turn it to mm-hmm. how can I help you? What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. But if I say here's what you should do, yeah. uh, it just yeah. you can almost see the shutdown. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's an example of mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll shift from there, and that's from home, and those are some good tips for there from everybody. So I want to ask about work. Let's shift into that. So how are men to balance work, family, and church roles? You know, what do those roles look like? Well, you know, church is an important thing in our society. It's where we mm-hmm. meet with other believers Mm-hmm. We share God's word. We share our burdens with each other. We lift each other up. We pray for each other. And we should be there for each other in times of trouble. Sometimes, and I've, I've shared this in life group, that we spend too much time at 
doing things for church mm. and not taking care of our spouse and our family. Yeah. And let me be clear on this, that, you know, when you talk about the, the Bible talks about the role of a deacon or an elder mm. in the church, it's very clear that God gave you those that are married, wife first, children second, you know, yeah. th- that family first before you uh, do things at the church because mm. The Bible says, how can you take care of of church work, or yeah. I'm paraphrasing, if you're not taking care of your wife and children? Your own home. Your own yeah. home. You can, how can you take care mm-hmm. of somebody else's home? So I think it's very, I call it the fruit basket turnover, because hmm. I've been involved in that before. Okay. Where that, if, if we're supposed to do, we're supposed to eat a banana first before mm-hmm. we eat the orange, before we eat the tangerine, before we eat the the plums or whatever mm-hmm. or grapes, whatever our order is, mm-hmm. we grab whatever grabs our attention mm. and we engross ourselves as men because we are mm-hmm. men want to be needed. They yeah. want to be wanted. Mm-hmm. And when the church says, Hey, I got a great project for you. Hey, I I need you to take care of this. I need you to teach here. I need you to be involved in this ministry. <clears throat> Whatever the case may be, men can get engrossed in that just like they can in their work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm going to throw work in there big because work's probably number one for men where the fruit basket turnover. Gets, gets out of yeah. gets out of place. It's usually yeah. work, church, and then the kids and your wife and kids gets what's left over. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way I believe God intended for for that to happen. Yeah, that's yeah, it's real insightful there. So that's great. I think you made some really great points about work and and what it should look like and what and it, about grabbing your attention and kind of have a, a focus on that and making sure those uh, priorities or they're supposed to be with one, your relationship with Christ itself, your family, and then your church work for sure. And not even just church work, but like work so your, in general. Your, your church in yeah. general, the, the relationships at your church in general. Yeah. And all that. So I think those are good, uh, good things for sure. But how, let's look at parenting for a second. Like, so if you're funneling your decisions based off your relationship with Jesus, how does that play into parenting? You know, how does that color your decision making? Well, it you know, as I can remember, of course, most of my both of my kids are adult kids and yeah. your age, mm-hmm. and 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 I think about the way I parented. And we made it. Susan and I made a lot of mistakes as parents. Mm-hmm. And if we could go back and change some things, we would definitely go back and change a lot of stuff. But there are some things. I think we got right too. Yeah. Okay. In all fairness to both sides, mm-hmm. but. We tried to make decisions based on what was right in God's standard. And I want to give you an example on this. Okay. A lot of kids, when my kids were growing up, mm-hmm. you know, they were junior high, high, high school age. That mm-hmm. that that already, you know, going going through puberty, going through puberty, and you know that all, those, that. Mm-hmm. all that's going happening in junior high. Such a and peaceful time, right? It, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. You know, when that was going, especially in junior high, probably more so in high school, because yeah. high school presented different different type problems. But I'm going to talk about junior high. Our kids would want to go to certain parties mm-hmm. or to spend the night at certain people's <laughs> houses. houses. Mm-hmm. And if we knew, we were very careful 
not to, A, let them spend the night at anybody's house that we did not know their parents well mm-hmm. or knew how their parents were. If we can, if we didn't know the parents at all, yeah. and we tried, we just, we encouraged them, we reversed it. Why don't you have uh, Jane Smith, you know, yeah. example, come spend mm-hmm. the night at our house or John Smith come spend the night in our house and yeah. then try to, we kind of reverse that to, yeah. so that we, cause we knew we could control what happened at our house. Mm-hmm. So, and also parties too. We're having a, and I'm not talking about a birthday party. I'm talking about, you know, we're going to have a little Friday night, Saturday hang night, out. hang out yeah. party thing. Mm-hmm. We were very, very careful and, and, and we, they did go to some, but not to many of them. And I remember, Daniel and Becca both, my two kids, saying, mm-hmm. "Why can't we go? Everybody else is going." And, mm-hmm. and you know, and there's just some things we knew there was there was potential mm-hmm. to be there at that house, whether it be uh, unsupervised adults yeah. there, possibly drinking, possibly mm-hmm. smoking, things that we knew that our kids were not ready to. To handle it, it at 13, 14 yeah. years old. So, as a as parenting, you know, and being the spiritual leader of your house, you had to learn to really think about and pray about what was right. Now, my wife had a better insight on a lot of this than I did because she was a school teacher because she already knew a lot about the kid, Mm -hmm. especially because our kids went to school where she taught. Mm -hmm. So she had some insight going Mm -hmm. in. And Jeanette was, I'm so thankful for that because, you know, I'm probably more relaxed than, oh, yeah, that's fine. You can go. I would probably let them go everywhere. And she's the one that come to me and said, we don't need to let them go spend the night at that house or we don't need to let them go to that party. Mm-hmm. You know, because we knew stuff. So that that was mm-hmm. that, part of that not being passive. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and just, um, yeah. and also listening to your helpmate. And, what, and I <laughs> listened to her, that. but I had to be the one that would just t- to to say it, it to the kids, force it with the kids. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because just like we were talking earlier, like it's just something different when it's the, coming from the man of the house. You know, it really, I don't know why. I guess it's because right. God's design, but it just makes a difference when it's the man of the house leading the example and making the decisions or doing the thing. Well, I think God intended, and we have a lot of great women leaders Mm -hmm. in our churches and our communities and, and they're phenomenal leaders. But Mm -hmm. I think that most women, whether they agree with this or not, deep down inside, if they had a husband that loved them unconditionally, just Mm -hmm. like Jesus loved the church. Yeah. They're no matter how dominant, of a leader they are, they would be willing to follow them. You know, I really, I agree with that. I really do. And this is partly why I wanted to have this conversation with such a person like yourself. Well, for men in general, but also with a person that's more experienced with life and, you know, you've done a lot of different things and whatnot. Well, I, let me just interject this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and def, I'm not talking about your marriage or anybody's in particular, but the, I think a lot of times men just don't know how to be spiritual leaders in their mm. house. They don't know how to. They didn't know how it was was modeled in their home. Mm-hmm. It was not modeled in their home. It might have been. It might have not. Probably it was not modeled in their home. Or if it was modeled, it was modeled in a way that they they didn't pick it up. Yeah, you know. And I probably didn't model it great in my house to my son, but my son, I, I feel like does a much better job watching him. 
you know, be the spiritual leader of his house probably than I did. And that's one of the things I'm probably right now in his young mm-hmm. life I'm most proud of. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. I think that's just a great point. Everything you just said there, like, yeah, maybe it was just from the fathers before them. It was maybe a little too private. Right. You know, and, how, and their relationship and what they did and didn't do. So I think it's a good point, you know, right. not knowing how to be one. Yeah. And good for Daniel. That's awesome. <laughs> Maybe he'll listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. All right. So what are some you know markers for when to pivot in parenting? I think you gave some good advice of just being aware of where your kids are and whose houses they're a part of and whatnot. So what would be some markers of like, hmm, maybe I should do something different? I think that there needs to be, we're taught to fear God mm-hmm. and respect God. Mm-hmm. And I think that there needs to be some fear and respect between children and their parents, mm-hmm. you know. And if a, if a kids realize that that they can do anything and manipulate the parent, yeah, throw a fit, cry, get what they want, you know. In my opinion, from parenting, yeah. which we did pretty good with this, Susan and I did. Whatever way you discipline, discipline them right then and stick to it, whether it's a swat on their behind or putting in time out or whatever. If you cut it off immediately and you tell them no, yeah, no is that no. Can, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then there's consequences immediately. Mm-hmm. You don't give them, okay, the next time, the next time, I'm going to give you one, I'm going to count to three. Mm-hmm. We didn't, my dad, there was no counting the three. You did it the first time or else that was it. Yeah. You know? And I think that we love our kids so much that we kind of give them more grace instead of more. Well, we always look at them. Well, they're, they're too little. Well, they're always be too little. Yeah. And, and I, I, that's the thing I see in our generation, y- y'all generation yeah. more, not yeah. enough, you know. Immediate. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because they, regardless of what. Younger people or your age people that are maybe listening today at this podcast. I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. Kids want discipline. They do. Structure yeah, is They want needed. structure and discipline. Just like a woman wants to be loved and cherished. Mm-hmm. And a man wants to be loved and respected. Mm-hmm. Same kind of. It's, it's and that strong. They, it's mm-hmm. that strong. They do. And, and I work with kids a lot, too, and they, they want that structure and they need that structure. Right. And that's when they actually thrive. Right. You know? And I think the same as well for, like, uh, men men and women relationships as well. Yeah. All right. So what things in culture work against men hearing and accepting Christ identity in, in their well, lives? Well, this is a – I have a lot of things to talk about on this. Oh, Okay. Okay, and I, I Lay first, on me. <laughs> first of all, I'm, I'm going to talk. I want to kind of go way back, okay. and then I'll move up to today's world. Back okay. when I was growing up, it was you know sports and sex. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about you know society says you know they show provocative pictures mm-hmm. of women. You know, and it goes back to what I said. You know, go for the gusto. You deserve that. Yeah, you know, you can get you can you can get that, or you can do that, or sports. We're gonna we're gonna have you so engrossed in playing sports, watching sports, and then when you watch those sports, you have those commercials on there mm-hmm. that are geared to men 
that are somewhat sexually provocative or mm-hmm. or talk about the you know beer commercials, alcohol commercials, yeah. or whatever commercials, but they're geared mm-hmm. to drive men into this is this is your identity. This is mm-hmm. what the world says your identity. Later on. You know, then, of course, work also is a part of that. And I've touched Mm -hmm. on that earlier, how work, men will get so engrossed that things will be happening at their house. Their kids are going through adolescence or they're in junior high and high school and they're having issues there. Mm -hmm. And the the kid's not doing what they're supposed to do and they're not disciplined. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're being, men are passive. Or they're a toddler and they throw your unfolded clothes in the toilet. Well, exactly. (laughs) But but here's what a man will do. Yeah. He'll get so engrossed in his work Mm -hmm. that he expects his wife. To take care of that, that discipline yeah. and that what have you, whatever's going on, mm-hmm. and then so he's engrossed in his work so much that he just leaves his house duties mm-hmm. all to mom. Yeah, and so back kind of in my day, or still in my day, or my age group, sports, sex, mm-hmm. work, but now the new thing is is sexual identity. Yeah, you know, I was at a Promise Keepers event. Yeah, uh, 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. One of the speakers made this comment, probably 25 years or so, maybe 30 years ago. Yeah. Never forgot it. It's true. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's not right. That's not true. And it was a, we were at an arena with 15,000 mm-hmm. men. And here's what he said. Every man here at some point in their time or right now is addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. I said, that's not all true. Well, it is true. God wired us to be visually attracted to the opposite sex. That's why when I said sex on on TV, when they got a a lady that doesn't have a lot on that's very, very attractive on the the TV, and she's advertising this deodorant or or aftershave or whatever it is, you know, if you ask... Five minutes later, what brand that was, I don't know. the man couldn't tell you. Yeah. But if they asked what she looked like or what color hair she had, yeah, they could tell you that. Mm-hmm. But I do think at large, I feel like there's just a lot of confusion put out there in all realms of social media, media in general, like whatever you're watching on television, the music you listen to. Is all just saying, just do what you want, and just and it's a lot of things, just confusion for people. Well, I think know? that Brandy, that you touched on something, the phone. We didn't have cell phones when I grew up. We didn't have computers in mm. our houses when we grew up. I mean, if you went, it was, I, I didn't know anybody had a computer in their house when I grew up. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have them at the libraries. Mm. I mean, they were just they had them maybe on a college campus, and it was a computer center, and they may yeah. only had. A dozen or twenty of them, mm-hmm. you know. So now with the cell phone, you can pick up the cell phone and you can hit any pornographic site, yeah, that you want to hit in five seconds or less, and then mm-hmm. you hit that, and it's so easily obtainable now for kids, and that's why it's so much. I think parents need to have so much parameters, especially when. Their kids get a cell phone or they get on computers. Yeah. It needs to be the restrictions there, on there. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more, um, I guess, opportunities to be immersed in whatever, to find those communities that believe and think like you do, and just to be completely surrounded by the culture 
versus whatever that you know to be true from the Lord if if you have that relationship. And so that's where I believe if you don't have that relationship, you're just willy-nilly flapping with the wind or whatever the wind takes you, wherever culture takes you. Because culture changes, you know, like from from whatever what's what should be, what should not should be. But with Jesus and you know, with the Bible, that hasn't changed in <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, and it's it's stood the test of time and yeah. A lot of people that disagree with the Bible don't read the Bible and that agree with society and say, well, that's old, that's old. I can't believe you're following that. I mean, that's ancient. That was thousands of years ago. But mm-hmm. that God's Word has been the standard mm-hmm. since the beginning of time. And it's the only standard that has, the only absolute that has stood the test of time. Yeah. So how should men push back against culture and leaning to their true identities of what you know, of how God called them to be. Well, and we've kind of talked about that, but I'm going to tell you a story that was, okay. uh, again, I was at another Promise Keeper event, and mm-hmm. one of the guys made this comment challenging men. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pushing his, and it was about pushing back culture, and whether yeah. it be the church, church culture, work culture, or society in general and culture. I remember this like yeah. it was yesterday. Here's what he said. Barna Research, who's a Christian research, did mm-hmm. a research on men that attended church and men that did not attend church. Mm-hmm. Here's was a staggering statistic. When men, spiritual leaders, do not attend church and mom takes the kids, mm-hmm. there's less than a 20% chance that those kids, when they grow up and have children of their own, that they will stay in church, mm-hmm. less than 20%, which that was, gosh, staggering. It is staggering. And then being in the world. But I believe it. <laughs> and, you know, being in the world 59 years, and I've seen it, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm beginning to see it's I'm that's like, pretty I, good. I but, but then he yeah. said, I got to tell you something, man. The men that take their children to church and live that life out mm-hmm. and try to be the spiritual leader of their families, there's an 85% chance that those kids will grow up and the, the kids will stay in church. Mm-hmm. Continue on. I mean, you see how much of a swing that is? It's just the weight of it. I don't, for whatever so th- reason, you know, just if it's the, only the woman and you don't have that support of your spouse in it, right? it just gets dismissed. Like, oh, that's a woman's thing. Right. <laughs> but but with, with daddy involved mm-hmm. and and... And I'm not talking about just, well, I, you know, Dad went to Easter and he went to Christmas and maybe Mother's Day, Father's Day, maybe mm-hmm. five or six times a year. I'm talking about a committed believer, not just attending church, but involved in church and involved in the kids' lives and, and leading those devotionals and, 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 and being the father that God mm-hmm. wants us to be at the home. Mm-hmm. Boy, you got to... Good, good chance of your kids when they grow up following that pattern and raising that next generation. Yeah. I remember when my brother got, he was the last, we had, had two siblings, a younger mm-hmm. brother and a younger sister. Mm-hmm. The Sunday morning after my my brother got married, we were in, he married a girl from Lake Charles, my sister-in-law. Okay. And uh, we were in Lake Charles. We were at a hotel. We, my dad got up and was drinking coffee at the little cafe at the hotel mm-hmm. back, you know, 
25, 30 years ago. And I asked my dad this question. I said, Dad, do you feel like now that all three of us are married and you've got us kind of all put all settled off the settle yeah. and everything? Do you finally feel relieved? Because I had already had my two kids at that mm-hmm. time. He said, well, no. He said, <laughs> you feel like that you've gotten over a hurdle, mm-hmm. but you never stop thinking about how your kids and then how your kids' kids, your grandkids, mm-hmm. and you never stop thinking of, okay, how are they going to be? Mm-hmm. I said, well, <clears throat> when will you ever feel settled in your mind? He said, I will feel settled in my mind when your kids' kids are growing up as adults and they're raising and serving the Lord just mm-hmm. like you were taught and you were doing. Then, it's, in other words, we've gotten past a whole other generation. Mm-hmm. He said, then I felt like that I've done my job Wow! as a man. Never forgotten that. Yeah, that's legacy right there. And, you know, just think of longevity and um, what a blessing it is to know that, you know, to know that to go that far or, or who wants to be the one that stops with you. Right. You know, so I say, I think the same thing of my kids now. You know, I mm-hmm. have three grandchildren, and mm-hmm. I hope that the Lord will keep me long enough that I can see that next generation mm-hmm. and them raise kids like that. Yeah. Then I will have known if I did the right things or not. So yeah. the verdict still is kind of like a cake, Brandy. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I use this analogy a lot when I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. The cake smells good, and you open that oven, and it looks good, smells mm-hmm. good. We don't know how it's going to taste. Until yeah. it's completely done. Hmm. Does a toothpick stick in there? That's right. <laughs> Does it That's stick right. in the middle or not? Yeah, right. we don't know. That's right, for sure. All right, so how does knowing your identity in Christ root you in the midst of conflict and pain? Well, I go back to Scripture here. Uh, some of my favorite Scriptures, um, you know, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Psalm 1, and I'll read Psalm 1. It's one of my favorite okay. uh, Scriptures in the Bible and talks about a man that says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Mm-hmm. Or stand in the the way of the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. That person, that man, is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do, prospers. Mm-hmm. And I think about that, and I think of. You know, I can do all things through Christ who who strengthens me. So when I think about my identity in Christ and then when I and I've got conflict or pain in my life, mm-hmm. these are scriptures I like to go back to in my prayer journal and mm-hmm. know that God is gonna be with me and though I may going through persecution, and I'll read one more and more, Romans I look at a lot, Romans eight eighteen. Mm-hmm. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, you know, in the very end of things we're gonna win. We're gonna win the war. We may yeah. lose battles along the way, but mm-hmm. in the end, those of us that are in Christ we're going to ultimately win the war. And that what I mean by winning the war is we're going to be with him in heaven one day. Yeah, 
I mean, then that's the ultimate. And that's the ultimate reward. So, mm-hmm. you know, Christ that had is. people and issues throughout his life. So, oh, yeah. So it's not, we're, we're, we're not promised a bed of roses Mm-mm. as a Christian. In fact, we're probably going to face more and more persecution and things to do. Mm-hmm. And the persecution we're facing is the subtle things we talked about. Yeah. As we see in like sexual identity in, in kids and mm-hmm. and uh, 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 men and women, more men and women living together instead of saying, let's make this official and get married. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, uh, that that kind of stuff. You, can, I, you know, People think, oh, that's old timey. But mm-hmm. it's not. It's not the way God intended it for it to be. Well, is there for, I mean, it's full of protection of yourself and your soul, really, right. um, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and just like you're saying with Psalm 1, like, you know, being rooted in what his word says and staying in the vine just keeps us from flailing when those things happen. You know, just uh, knowing that what he says is true. And focusing on that and just keeping it with you. And you also mentioned, like, uh, when you were talking earlier, maybe think of, um, it's, I think, believe it, it's First Corinthians, how like, when the outer man is being destroyed, it's the inner man that's being renewed. Right. And uh, just him just renewing us, making us new with, uh, and focusing more on him and keeping it on him. So, yeah. All right. So, you know, what should men pray for, you know, Stanley? What's just, you know, well, obviously, we should be praying every day, and and I do in my mm-hmm. in our prayer journey. Pray for my wife. I mm-hmm. pray for my children. All all four of my children. Mm-hmm. I pray for my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I pray for my parents and my in laws. I pray for all my family, immediate family. Mm-hmm. I also, pray for things at church and our life group that people have shared with, and specific things. And I pray for the, our extended friends. And I also pray every day that God will give me the uh, opportunity to serve him in some way mm-hmm. that day <clears throat> and also give me the opportunity to share the love of Christ to somebody that day. And it may not be nothing big, but sometimes it's re- it seems really, really big. And I'm, yeah. that God gives mm-hmm. me that opportunity. Blessings, and yeah. so it's just, you just, you pray for that, but you also pray that when you get the opportunity to serve him during a day or you get the opportunity or something is going wrong in the work or something that you rely on him to help you make your decision, the right decision. All right. Well, it's all good things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Stanley, I just can't end this series without asking this question. Who does God say that you are? <clears throat> well, me personally, I hope he says that he is my servant. He is someone that has made his identity with me. Mm-hmm. He is someone that has accepted me as his Lord and Savior. And he is somebody that I look at him that tries to do the mm-hmm. right thing every day. And I just, you know, I hope that, and I fail a lot. I fail every day. And I hope that God is not disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. I hope he's more pleased with me than disappointed with me at the end of a day well if that's your heart to serve and to to him i don't think you'd be disappointed because that's what his word says you know he he looks at the heart of man and not all these other things so well stanley thanks for coming out today um i'm so thankful you came out and be a part of this conversation um i know someone needed to hear all that you had to share 
My name is Stanley Dupy. This is my story of the metal. This is your host, Brandy Bostic, and you've been listening to part four of the Identity Series from Up From The Mount podcast. Psalm 40, verse 2. <clears throat> he brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. <laughs>